on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, weekdays from 9 to 11, right here on WKOM 1017. You never know who's going to stop by. One of the leading voices, certainly in the Southeast, on college football, John Bryce with footballscoop.com. We have with us this morning Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, TWSAA Executive Director Bernard Childress, New York Times bestselling author, author of Three Ring Circus, which dropped yesterday. Mr. Jeff Perlman, the voice of the Blue. Raiders Chip Walters joining us. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome Teresa Walker. High school sports is what we do, but it's not all we do. Don't forget about Top 5 Tuesday and Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Be sure and check us out from 9 to 11 a.m. on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. 1017 WKOM. Maurice and I would like to take a little time to thank Robert Rogers and all the folks at Parks Motor Sales for sponsoring the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast. When you need special treatment during your next new or pre-owned vehicle purchase, visit Parks Motor Sales at 919 Nashville Highway in Columbia or visit them online at parksmotorsales.com. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. So happy that you have decided to hang out with us on this Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon or whatever time you may be listening to this show on the podcast or on Facebook Live. Maybe you are going back and watching the show on Facebook Live, or, and so it's Facebook recorded now. <laughs> it's up to you. It's however you want to do it. You know, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us and all our friends down in Franklin County on WZYX is the Eagle. Appreciate you guys. Really excited this morning to talk about some college hoops. We are a little early in the process, but I think the field is becoming clearer by the day and so we thought what better time than now before the southeastern conference tournament starts and uh, just after day one of the ovc tournament etc to bring in someone who knows what they're talking about (laughs) (laughs) uh so joining us this morning on the parks motor sales hotline we have cbs sports bracketologist jerry palm jerry welcome in to the show thanks for joining us oh thanks for having me on good to talk to you guys Hey, thanks, Jerry. You too. The The question I need to ask before we ask any others is, how does one become a bracketologist? Well, you know, you grew up, first of all, wanting to be one. And then uh, then you go to school, and get, you know, advanced degrees in bracketology, study for years. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's funny because uh, my degree is computer science, and I went, I went to Purdue and that's about the time I was graduating is around the time that they invented the RPI at the NCAA. It came uh, more to my attention in 94 when I had a new computer and a new database program and this internet thing was just getting started. And, um, and I, uh, they, they had changed the formula that year and I thought, Oh, maybe I'll try and calculate those numbers and, um, see if I can throw it together and figure out what it is and what it does. And, uh, long story short, um, uh, 
I guess people cared. <laughs> I didn't really think anybody would. You know, I, I was going to do this geeky little thing for my own sort of technical education to help advance my career in computers. And the next thing you know, I'm a sports writer and hosting websites and going to tournament games and talking on the radio all the time. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird, um, what's, it's kind of what you call a non-traditional career path into journalism. But uh, it's, it's just one, end up combining all of my passions into one thing as a hobby. And I just kept saying yes to people. And the next thing I know, it's a job. That's <laughs> that's pretty fascinating to say the least, and it sounds kind of like the perfect storm, you know. With um, it really was that that's a good good uh, description of it. You know, it's just I happened to be the right guy at the right time with the right idea, and didn't set out for it to become a job. Never ever thought it would become a job. I you, just thought that I'll just share this information, see if anybody likes it. Well, you know what they say: do what you love, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. So. Um, yep. Obviously, you true. you managed to figure that out, and that's fantastic because I've been following you for a pretty good while, and, and I know I'm certainly not alone. But um, as Chris was saying, we've got the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament going into their second day today, and everybody in this area that's concerned with that, well, with the exception of Chris, who's concerned with Jacksonville State, everybody else <laughs> is concerned with um, Belmont. Um you know, they they lost two games late in their final two games of the regular season, but really a stellar year. They're going to be penalized because of the fallout from the pandemic and not being able to play a more wide-ranging schedule, aren't they? Well, I guess, I mean, I, I heard, I, I don't remember now what they had originally on their schedule. I'm sure they had some better games on it. A lot of teams lost games. Uh, especially in the non-conference part of the schedule because the season started three weeks later. Uh, but nobody played shorter conference schedules. So, you know, a lot of non-conference games were lost. Um, it's not just Belmont, but it hurts teams like Belmont more because there are opportunities to, to prove themselves. Um, I, it's hard to say if they're hurt by it because you don't know if they'd have won the game. You know, if they had like four good games on their schedule and they lose them all, that you're not really hurt by it then. Um, but you're hurt by missing the opportunity, I suppose. But Belmont, either way, in either of those situations, would still have to win their league to get in the con- into the NCAA tournament. If that's the case now, they're going to have to win the, the conference to get in, um, and then maybe dangerous when they get there. But uh, you know that's that's the nature of the beast. They're, they're going to have to win the league. Okay. And that, and that's not unusual. I mean, obviously, he's definitely never. I'm not sure the obviously will ever be a multi bid league. That being said, uh, in your that's funny, latest, they were in 2019, uh, th- our very last tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Belmont got the last at-large bid in, in our most recent tournament. Um, but was they, it you Belmont know, that they got the at-large? Yeah, Belmont, Belmont got the at-large. Murray. They, they were the last team in, Murray in 2019. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep, they were. Um, um, in your most recent bracket, you had them as a 14 seed. Uh is that they'll probably do better than that, that if they win? If they win the tournament, you think they'll they'll be a little bit better than that? That was my question. Yeah. Is could they play their way into a little bit higher seed? Yeah, I, if they win the Ohio Valley, they'll probably be. I would say they'll work for the thirteen. It could even be a twelve, depending on on things like upsets in other leagues that you know maybe drop some teams down and push them up uh, from other leagues. 
But uh, I think, yeah, sure. Belmont will be probably playing a four or a five seed in the opening round. And that's, that'll be one unhappy four or five seed probably having to play Belmont because Belmont's a team with tournament experience in their program and not going to be worried about playing some, you know, big name team, whatever, that go out there and try and take it to them. Jerry, I've kind of got a philosophy about seeding, and and I developed it while I was following my alma mater, Middle Middle Tennessee State. Um, I kind of feel like for a mid-major, maybe that 11 seed is that sweet spot, just from the standpoint that if you're a 12, you're going to catch a 5, and and I think what you're trying to do is position yourself to make the deepest run in the postseason you can make. So you want to try right. to stay away from a one or a two as long as you can. If you are, you know, a 12, then you're going to catch a five and you've got a one looming out right. there. I, I, yep. I kind of think that 11 where you play a six and then you play a three to get into the sweet 16, that that just kind of strikes me as where you want to be r- realistically. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, your, your 11 is definitely um, a better spot than a 12 or a 13. And some would say even better than an 8 or a 9. You'd rather that's, be like an 11 than an 8 or a 9. Um, that's it, because yeah, your path to the second weekend of the tournament is probably easier that way. Uh, but then you have to actually you know earn that, uh, and that's going to be hard to do for Belmont this year to get to that point. Um, to, to be an 11 would, doesn't seem realistic, but I suppose you never know what the committee will do. But um, but you're right, 11, you know, you get to play a six. That's a pretty winnable game. A lot of 12 beat five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not unusual either. Uh, but, you know, and, and that's because the usually the bottom of the at-large pool is a 12. So, you know, that's, that's where the, the lowest at-large teams are going to be. Your better uh, champions from typically one bid league during that area as well. And then as you go down from there, the gap of inequality between the teams on each line gets bigger. So uh, 12s and 11s are, are pretty good spots to be uh, if you're going to try and make a run, especially 11, uh, into the NCAA tournament. Are we playing the play-ins this time? And obviously they're not yes. going to be at Dayton. but um... No. Everything's in Indiana. Um, so the first four games – this year, the play-in games, uh, instead of being Tuesday and Wednesday, are going to be on Thursday, all four of them. Uh, two will be played at Assembly Hall in Bloomington, where Indiana plays, and the other two will be played at Mackey Arena, uh, where Purdue plays. Uh, so that's about an hour south of Indy and an hour north of Indy. And then um, uh, and then after that, there'll be a, a few first-round games at those two sites as well, but then everything else will be played at Indianapolis. Sounds like... Gotcha. Paradise. If if you're in it Indiana, yeah. <laughs> well, I, it is for me because I live uh, I live in Northwest Indiana, which is basically the suburban Chicago part of Indiana. But I went to Purdue. My wife is from Indianapolis, and I've had family there, so you know it's it's a home game for me uh, to have the entire tournament here. So I'm pretty excited about it. That that sounds that sounds like it's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, pandemic guidelines notwithstanding um mm-hmm. we're visiting on the parks motor sales hotline with jerry palm bracketologist for cbs sports as we um consider the the ncaa tournament first we've got the sec tournament um for interested college basketball folks in these parts that starts up next week here um 
in Nashville. Jerry, um, two questions. How many coming out of the SEC, and what do you make of Tennessee? <laughs> well, uh, it looks like it's going to be six out of the SEC. Um, Alabama and Arkansas. Alabama having a fantastic season, and Arkansas, arguably one of the hottest teams in the country right now. Uh, after that, a uh, group that includes Tennessee, Missouri, Florida, um, all about the same part of the bracket, right around the top 25, the bottom of the top 25. The 25th team in the bracket is the seven seed. So you're talking about six and seven seeds for, for that group of teams right now. And, of course, Tennessee plays Florida uh, to end the regular season before the SEC tournament. Um, so that's an important game maybe for seeding. And then LSU uh, stepped behind that. Uh, but I don't think – I think they're done with the regular season, LSU is. Um, so even a bad loss in the conference tournament, I wouldn't knock them all the way out of the NCAA tournament, but they're playing more of a, like a middle of the bracket team in an eight, nine game or something like that. I know Chris wants to ask you about Alabama. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is, is Alabama, do they need to win a game or two in the SEC tournament to solidify that two seed or are they pretty close to, to having it? No, it's a, it's a competitive spot of the bracket. The, the two line is pretty competitive. The three line is pretty competitive. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, Alabama's not out of play for a one. You know, the, the Illinois has got the fourth one seed at the moment, but Ohio State's right on their heels. Those two teams play Saturday in Columbus to end the regular season. Iowa is also on the two line, so that's three Big Ten teams. Uh, West Virginia's in there, uh, and Alabama's in there. And if those three Big Ten teams beat each other up and Michigan ends up winning the Big Ten tournament, so uh, Illinois or Ohio State ends up taking two losses, the other takes one and Iowa takes one, you know, now it might open the door uh, for Alabama or for a Big 12 team that's not Baylor that gets hot and wins the Big 12 tournament because that league is very strong at the top as well. So uh, Alabama's not out of play for a one. Uh, uh, They'd probably have to, you know, win this weekend and win the SEC tournament. Sure. Uh, to be to remain in play for a one, uh, anything short of that, they could drop to a three. It really depends on what these teams do. You can't analyze seeding in a vacuum because it's never just about you. It's always about um, also right. what other teams are doing around you. So, for Alabama, if they don't win the SEC tournament, I, I don't think they win the SEC tournament and drop from a two. That that's not going to happen. So, if they don't win the SEC tournament, then they gotcha. would be vulnerable to dropping down. But it would depend on who they beat in the tournament and who ultimately beats them. A lot of, I'm, a lot of I'm moving parts. about Arkansas sitting. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm a little surprised by this Arkansas three seed. <laughs> well, they've, they've earned it though. I mean, they've had they a really have. good year. It it's just... been quiet, you know, but well, until lately it's been quiet. You know, lately there's nothing quiet about what Arkansas has been doing because they've been doing very well. Um, but that's a that's a team, you know. They've got five losses. That's it. They they beat Alabama. They won at Missouri. They beat Florida. They beat LSU. They've got some good wins. And they don't have anything that resembles a bad loss. Now they're probably at their ceiling, um, short of winning the SEC tournament and, and beating Alabama to do that. Uh, you know that's that's where they could get some boost. I think if even if they win the SEC tournament, they don't beat Alabama. They're probably – it's going to be hard for them to get up past that three line. Uh, but um, Arkansas has had 
a really good season and had a very good run of play of late. Uh, they're, uh, they might be dangerous when the tournament actually gets here. You're exactly right. I, I just went, you know, when I saw it, I go, Arkansas, wow. And then you, like you said, recent recentism, especially for us, is, is impressive because you want to be playing your best basketball at this particular time. And Arkansas is doing just that. I mean, like you said, yeah. they've, they've beaten Florida. They've beaten Alabama. They, they've And they've got Texas A&M this week. Uh, right. Which could just, you know, propel them right into the, the SEC tournament and on a roll. Could be so, crazy. Uh, the, the thing to, to be careful of, though, is that the committee doesn't care how you're playing lately as a thing. You know, how you're playing at the end of the year doesn't really matter to the committee, except in that, you know, if you're playing well at the end of the year, you're you're winning games that help your resume. So that part matters, the games that you're playing and winning that help your resume. The fact that it's at the end of the year doesn't matter to the committee. It just uh, happens to be that's what Arkansas is doing. If you're on the bubble, how concerned are you with a Kentucky team getting hot and winning the tournament? The SEC yeah, tournament. Exactly. You know, it's funny because people think of bid stealers as, you know, somebody like, you know, Loyola or, you know, uh, somebody in a smaller conference winning and then the regular season champion gets in too. And that is, in fact, what it, it typically happens for bid stealers. But it can happen in a major conference as well. And it's happened in the SEC before. I think Arkansas made a run from like a double-digit seed in the SEC tournament uh, years ago and ended up winning it and getting into the tournament and knocking somebody out uh, because they had to make room for Arkansas. And if Kentucky is able to do that, um, they're, they're not getting in any other way. They're not knocking an SEC team out. Uh, so it would be a seventh SEC team, and somebody at the bottom of the bracket is going to end up in the NIT. And, that, uh, and if you're one of those teams, yeah, I'd be worried about Kentucky because the talent's been there all year. Talent is not the problem in Kentucky. They have the talent to win the SEC tournament, you know, but they haven't once looked like a team capable of that. Haven't looked like Kentucky, basically. <laughs> yeah, the, the name on the front. Watching that team play with that with those uniforms on is a bit disconcerting. <laughs> um, we're visiting with Jerry Palm, bracketologist from CBS Sports, here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Um, Jerry, expanding your view just a little bit, is there anybody nationally, you know, kind of talking about that bid stealer type situation? Is there is there anybody else that's just jumping out at you as somebody who could really create some issues for bubble teams? You know, I don't really have anyone, um, but it's more likely to come from a bigger conference this year because the the smaller conferences. Um, the, the teams that have the better, uh, you know, teams at the top where maybe, you know, if somebody else won the league, like the Missouri Valley where you've got Loyola and Drake that have had really good seasons but are still w- bubble teams, both of them. You know, if like Missouri State wins that championship, it might end up knocking Loyola and Drake both out of the bracket, not in the bid stealer sense, but because both of them took a loss and they're right on the cut line. And so somebody else, ends up being an at-large team. Uh, you could see something similar in the Atlantic 10 with St. Bonaventure and VCU and St. Louis all among the last five or six teams in my bracket. Uh, St. Louis is in, uh, sorry, St. Bonaventure is currently the top seed in the tournament, so they're in my bracket as an automatic qualifier, not an at-large, but if they lose, 
they may fall all the way out of the bracket. Somebody like Richmond or uh, Davidson wins that tournament, they could knock one or two of those teams out. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a bid stealing in a sense, but they might keep bid stealing from themselves. Hmm. That's it's not ideal. <laughs> not ideal at all. Oh man, this is this is really interesting that the the tournament will be played basically on the the same schedule, kind of as they typically would, despite being in the same city. Uh, they're they're going to wait five days between the second round and the Sweet Sixteen. It, it, are you surprised by that? No, not really. Uh, it gives the teams a chance to recover a little bit, uh, you know, maybe even get a practice in, do some scouting. And I think they want to keep the tournament as normal as they possibly can. You know, you have to make accommodations for the pandemic. Simply having it all in Indiana is one thing that's not normal. But I think they want to keep the schedule as normal as they possibly could. Uh, a, a lot of people were suggesting they expand the tournament this year. Uh, because of the pandemic and and they were like no we just we want to keep things as normal and typical as we possibly can they never considered expanding it and, and actually in a pandemic that would be a bad idea shortening the tournament making it smaller <laughs> would make more sense in a pandemic than making it bigger uh, but they didn't consider that either so you know as far as the schedule is concerned you know the travel obviously isn't going to be a thing nobody's going anywhere uh, except home when they lose mm-hmm. but um, I think the effort to make the tournament as normal as possible uh, is why you're seeing a schedule as close as they can to what they usually do. All right. Very, very insightful. Jerry, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate your time. Oh, anytime. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. That's Jerry Palm, the bracketologist for CBS Sports on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today and on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. We appreciate him giving us the knowledge that we need to sound like we know what we're talking about (laughs) when we're talking college hoops. So we will certainly be talking more about that as the SEC tournament continues. Thank you for listening to the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast brought to you by Parks Motor Sales. Don't forget to listen each day live 9 to 11 a.m. on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia. Also visit our website sm-tnsports.com for more local sports coverage in Southern Middle Tennessee.